We're back to the Neil Haley Show and special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and the Love Is Podcast. I'm excited to welcome the host of the Love Is Podcast, Kim Zerow. Kim, how are you? And are you excited about our guest? Hi, Neil. How are you? I am excited about our guest, Sherry Rigby. Sherry is a writer, a producer, an actor, a director, a mom, a wife, uh, so many things, so many titles that she wears, and she wears them all so well. And director of a nonprofit, started a nonprofit to help women in Hollywood. I just love everything about you, Sherry. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much. I'm like, I I don't even know. I can't even follow that up, Kim. That was just really great. Thank you so much. I I am honored to be here with both of you. So just thank you for having me. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. We're here to talk mostly about divine influencer, but I think you're a divine influencer yourself. Like so many things that you've been through, the things that you've done in life, the things that you've done with hard things that you've been through that you are using for good. I always admire people who do that, who Thank take you. the crap and do something great with it. And you're <laughs> doing that, right? Thank you. So it's a, such you. a good thing. So I'm wondering what drew you to this particular this particular movie? Absolutely. Well, and that's a great question. This movie really was inspired uh, by a place that I was involved in for years when I lived in Los Angeles called the Dream Center. It's uh, Matthew and Caroline Barnett's ministry, and they house about 750 people there that come from all walks of life, whether homelessness, drug addiction, uh, sex trafficking, you name it. And so you really got to see Christ in action because they were going out into the streets and serving people. And just with them being in this building, I was able to have so many interactions with them. And so what you saw or what I was able to see was that the Lord really through redemption, restoration and preparation for these people, um, when they began to understand who they served first, which was Christ, and then secondly, start to serve others with what God had given them, all of a sudden you started to see life change and you really started to see them being able to do what God really intended them to do right from the beginning. And so we were inspired by the stories there. My writing producing partner, Claire Eurita Lee would come there and spend time with me at different events. Then we invited another woman who was part of this initial story, Susie Eldridge. And we were just inspired by the stories that continued to surface through there. And so what we decided to do through those stories, being inspired by them, seeing the heart change, we decided to take a culturally a situation today, our social media and influencers as we know it, and say, how do we take something that is really important to discuss and bring it into a place of positive and be able to share with who are you serving? How are you serving? And how are you doing it well in your community? And that's what Divine Influencer is all about. Mixing two things, really to develop that conversation. Because again, uh, when we talk about social media and how much it's being abused now by people spending 18, 19 hours a day on it, our young people today, you know, where they're living on it and sometimes not even sleeping all night, it's a great way to bring this conversation out that it, we don't need this always. It's not something, it should be used for good purposes, not just for an addiction. And that's what is really becoming as a social media addiction for lots of people. Absolutely. And that's such a great point because we can use it for good and we can have the conversation. And I think that's the other thing with this movie is it's really for the family. You can watch this movie and have a great discussion with the younger ones to say, how are you influencing? What are you putting on social media? What are you looking at? 
in social media? Who are you following that actually really inspires you to do good? And so we just felt like this was a powerful way to shape the story through some some fun through lighthearted, but yet really enduring characters that really do take you on a journey from going from not losing who she is as an influencer, not losing her gifts and talents, but actually using them where she's placed in this homeless shelter and understanding how she can actually do it better. And that's what you see Liv Golden do. Yeah. Well, you know, something that Liv said that really struck me and I thought, it's probably a question a lot of people ask is when something like, God, can you use me? Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's a powerful thing to say. Yeah. You know what? That is, a, Kim, that is one of my also favorite scenes of the movie and just watching her come across when she sees Ryan and they're praying and she knows that, you know, she sees that moment and she sees who this man is and him putting his heart out there and really, cause he's, he's such a great example to her, right? Serving the people, loving this community. And then for her to go out there and she's sitting there and she's taking in this vastness of creation and to have that moment to, to look up and to be in this moment where she says, can you use me? I mean, that's a question we all ask. Am I, am I worthy enough? Do I have purpose? Do I have calling? Which is such another part of this movie is like, we need to be sharing with people that there is a lot of identity issues right now. And God does call you into purpose and he does see you and he wants to use you. Definitely does. And then you basically act as him to do the work. And that's such an important part of this is understand we can create things out of nothing with God's help. And that's all we need. And we can do it mm -hmm. and make a difference beyond belief. And that's what you hope the film will do for sure. Right. Absolutely. We're really hoping that people catch that message and go, who am I following? The number one influencer who is Jesus. And number two, who am I serving and doing it well, right in the community that I'm doing it with? Am I encouraging, empowering, or am I being destructive and destroying? And that's what we need to start actually asking as influencers, because really technically each and every one of us with a cell phone, a computer, we're all influencers. We all have an opportunity. If you're in a grocery store standing in line, and you have an opportunity to influence somebody's life, you're an influencer. We all have the ability to influence another person's life. Ah, uh, so well said. I like that. You know, when I was a kid, there were no cell phones. My phone hung on the wall in our kitchen, right? And you dialed it, actually. Yes, and you had yeah. the cord. <laughs> so you had the cord. It only went so far. You tried to have a secret conversation. It was a little difficult. But uh, now... Schools are letting kids bring their phone right into the classroom. And I think, well, I don't remember ever a time in all my years of school where there was an emergency that I had to have a phone with me, right? And right. how did we get from there to here? Like, I don't, I don't understand why schools let kids have phones in the classroom. Like that, that boggles my mind. What do you think of that? Absolutely. Well, as a mother, I can't even imagine because I think to myself, even my own self, like when I, I'll go onto social media for a minute, or even if I'm looking on something, you know, online, and all of a sudden, I'm distracted for 15, 20 minutes go by. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, and I have to go back in and kind of get back into gear again of what I'm doing. And I think that's the problem. I think that with kids being in the classrooms today, there's such a distraction, there's so many things. And so they're already distracted. 
Um, we're already fighting that as parents, you know, with a lot of the situations today in the culture. And so, you know, to have the phone in there as well, I mean, you've got kids all the time that are sitting there with their phones in their laps. We're now dealing with the issue of AI. We're dealing with so many things. And we do want our kids to come out to be healthy. We want them to be able to actually engage and respond when they're asked. We want them to be able to know how to the education system, do they actually graduate because they had the merits to do so or were they using technology? I just think it's a distraction. It needs to be left outside of the classroom, really. I, and, and, and it's starting to get that way now in work. My, the last movie that I was on, um, it was a huge movie. And in fact, the first AD announced to everybody the day prior to going on to set, he said, if I see you on your cell phone, uh, it, it is grounds for um, being fired. Uh, because you're distracting and you're taking people's money and you're not engaged in your in your job. And I thought, wow, I mean, that's what and I think people are starting to go back to that and take some of those hard stances. And I actually think it's a very valuable thing for us to do. Because people use it as a way to waste time. But then the, the information that comes out is really yes. comes all that you could look at yourself and say, did I just waste this amount of time? What did I just do that for? I want that time back because time is such an important treasure. And I think that, I mean, when I hear these stories of kids, as I said before, literally go on TikTok at like right before bed and don't go and they, they sit up all night and there are kids doing that. And that's really scary mm -hmm. because they're not getting the proper sleep, but also they're getting influenced by whatever's on TikTok for those short bites, some uh, short videos. Absolutely. And such a great point. We just did a study on this not long ago where uh, it's the it's the time in our country and our world in general that we have the most young women committing suicide because of social media and the numbers are crazy high. It's all on identity and issues and struggling. They're talking, you know, I just watched a documentary, um, you know, where they're making decisions with their bodies uh, in about 60 seconds of a TikTok video versus really understanding who and whose they are. And so we do have to be really cautious of that. And so I think that's why it's so important to have movies and, and, and people out there that are sharing about the positive influence, first and foremost, who's and who are you? You've been created for purpose. And how are you serving others? Because when you ultimately do serve others, you actually do influence. And it, it's God did that intentionally because we do have a different approach to life when we're actually committed to working and humbling, humbling ourselves and serving others. And that's what these kids need to, to, to see more of. Oh my gosh, you put it so well. You put it so well. We should just write that down and send it to every kid <laughs> in the world because it's it's so wise. And and the truth is, there's there are positive influencers like you're talking Absolutely. about. You know, so mm -hmm. to take what you know can be bad and meant for bad and turn it and and good. make it something good. Man, what a great shift that is. Like people need to know that uh, there are great ways to positively use the social media as well mm -hmm. you know it's not all bad like a tv there's good and there's bad right right like, right like the stuff that you're putting out is so good i wish i had that kind of television for my kids when when they were growing up and uh, mm -hmm. i'm happy to have it for my grandchildren but it's it's so powerful but it's powerful in, in other ways too the movie because mm -hmm. it's about redemption and it's mm -hmm. about coming from this this place she she was broken she went from wealthy right. 
to nothing, to zero. Right. And wearing right. clothes, donated clothes, you know, after buying anything she wanted and right. uh, recovered from that and became a different person because mm -hmm. of what she went through. Absolutely. I think that's the important message in this too, is there are second chances. And I love that she goes in there and doesn't become a completely different person, so to speak. She just uses what God gives her to affect and influence others. I mean, I think that was one of the most profound, like I loved filming the scene where um, Liv Golden is with the Carla character in the clothing closet. It's a very simple place, kind of the, this thrift store, but the message of it was so um, powerful because it was really what what she could do to serve this other woman coming in there and to do it still with what God had given her and these talents and gifts. And really for a woman to, I mean, you see it on her face. She puts a, a jacket on that all of a sudden just elevates her and makes her feel like something she's never felt before. And she can now face the world in a different way. And wow, what an incredible way to influence others uh, through, you know, just some of the smallest things and the humility of serving them right where they're at. And I love that about, and Lottis, Lottis Silva, she just played that character so well. You just, you fall in love with her and you go on that journey and you want to do what she's done. And the movie's available on Great American Pure Flicks. The, it's exciting to hear about the, the rebrand. I like the name a lot. Yeah. Tell us specifically yeah. when it's available. Absolutely. It streams September 15th on greatamericanpureflix.com. And we're hoping everybody will go on. If they don't have a membership, get a membership. They, If they do, go on and stream it. Share it with your friends and your family. It is a great movie for all ages. And and uh, September 15th, that's the day to make sure that you get out there and you support this movie and log on and watch it. So, and, you know, we've kind of talked on um, like sadness a bit here, but Honestly, it's such a fun movie. It's it's really a fun movie to watch, right? I mean, there's it funny is. parts, there's, you know, parts that make you tear up a bit and but yeah. it's such a great movie. It's just a fun movie to watch and with a great message at the same time. Thank you. All right. Love we, it. We, we laugh. Yeah, that's great. And the feedback, what do you, you've been getting feedback? How's the feedback been from the film for people who have screened it already? Oh my goodness. It's been so good. People are like, this is just a fantastic movie. They love the characters. They love the message, the talent that came into play, the characters, Lada Silva, and Jason Berkey, Jesse Medcalf, Princess Elmore, uh, Michael and Hansen. I mean, these people really stepped into these roles and just were really fantastic at the characters they played. Rebecca Kuhn, um, you know, and, and the people love it. They absolutely love it. They love the locations and the, the, the wardrobe. I mean, they've just been so encouraging through the whole process. And, and they, I think one thing too, that was brought up recently was that divine influencer is actually helping to launch great American pure Flix, the new brand. And so we are thrilled that we were chosen to do that. And what better way to do that than to do it through a movie like divine influencer. All right. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you. Thank you, Neil and Kim. Thank you you're so all, much. You're welcome. Uh, that was a special simulcast, the Neil Haley Show and the Love is Podcast, guys. Take care. We're back to Neil Haley Show. My guest today is David Hollenbeck of Hollenbeck Leadership. David, how are you? And we're going to talk about what do we do, right, when we, you know, we could be on this great, great trajectory and something gets us down, down in the dumps, you know, some people say go to sleep. That's not really a good idea. I found that out later. But how do we get out of being down in the dumps? What are some of your recommendations of how you got yourself out of that? Yeah. So depression is uh, 
a symptom of PTSD. I've been in uh, some pretty deep, dark places, you know, mentally and emotionally um, in, in the past. And there, there are a lot of tools out there, um, just some that you can do for yourself. There's breathing exercises, meditation, but getting up in the morning, getting outside to get the first morning sun rays uh, does something to the, the brain that it creates this, this positive effect that can, it has actually pulled me out of depression before, you know, oh, wow. and, and sometimes it's hard to remember these things, especially when you're in the midst of that depression, but to get yourself out of it, remember, get outside. If you can't get out of bed, think about the people in your life that you love, that love you. What is it when, when, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, your grand strategy and talking about what drives us, what is our purpose? Defining our purpose can do so much for our mental well-being. Knowing what we stand for and what we mean to other people is huge. And just taking that that mental inventory when we're when we're feeling a little bit rough, like maybe what we're doing is not what we're supposed to be doing. Think about it's just this small little snapshot of time that in the grand scheme of things is it, it means nothing. You know, there's there's so many um, moments in our life that are going to be epic, that are going to be amazing. This day, this week might be rough, but we're going to get on the other side of that and and it's going to be amazing. So that's just something, having that mindset that there is something amazing right around the corner. We just got to hold out for it. We got to do the work and keep pushing forward because it's coming. And, and we need to be in the right frame of mind to recognize it and accept this amazing gift that's coming to us. Do you think there's signs before we start to get in, down in the dumpster? You said depressed. I, I look more down the dumps unless it's really all the time. Do we have certain signs that kind of turn us that way before it happens that maybe could cause it to happen? Well... There, you know, there's clinical depression, but just a bad day, you know, um, yeah, maybe we make a mistake. Maybe we don't accomplish something that we set out to accomplish and we feel that sting of failure that can put a lot of people in a bad mood. You know, not everybody can remain chipper and positive, uh, in the face of adversity or failure, you know, um, so there are there are signs that it's coming and we've got to be able to recognize them within ourselves and it's different for a lot of different people uh for me um i i tend not to sleep uh you know it's either not sleeping or sleeping way too much um, not eating is one of uh, the things that happens with me when I, when I don't eat or work out or get the right sleep, 
all these pieces are indicators that I'm heading towards that that dark space. Um, and if I don't course correct, I will go there. And it makes it hard to get back on the positive side of things, you know. Um, but on the clinical depression side of it, the PTSD side of it, you know, there's medication, there's therapy, there's there's a lot of different tools. I do talk about it in my book. I have resources on my website. Uh, so for anybody that may be struggling with that, I am not a, a therapist or a psychologist or anything like that. I've just lived the experience and I know what has worked for me. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. All right. Best place is hollandbackleadership.com for more information. Appreciate it, David, and look forward to chatting with you next week. All right. Thanks, man. All right. You're listening, watching the Neil Haley show. And we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to Neil Haley Show. My guest today is business strategist, podcaster, and author, Gene Kuhn. Gene, how are you? And we talked about this a little bit, but I want to lead the questions today. And we're going to talk about the importance of hiring a business coach. Uh, That's one thing that it's very, very uh, interesting. I have a lot of great mentors in my life, and one of them is you, and I have other business people as well. So I I have the luxury of learning from the best uh, in, in so many ways, but what is the importance of your business to hire a coach because a business coach? What, why do you think they should? Well, my, I'm just going to, I only have my own personal story, right? Why I hired a coach. It's because I had spent, I don't know, uh, 2006 to 2014 uh, in the exact same place. I could not get over $300 a month in revenue. I just, I just couldn't move past that number. Now, in my defense, I also had some brick and mortar businesses that I was running. I was running two brick and mortar businesses at one point, always two brick and mortar businesses. And so I was, my time was, was torn between all of the businesses. So, but I knew that I knew that there was something I did not know how to do. And honestly, what it was, was sales. I did not know how to ask for a sale. So when I, when I identified the problem and I didn't know how to fix it, I never had to ask for a sale before, right? I had brick and mortar retail stores. People came in and they just gave me their money. I didn't have to ask for the sale. So when I, when I knew that that was the problem, I immediately started looking for somebody um, that reson that I resonated with their style. And the moment I found the right person, and I had a couple, I went through actually one, two, I probably went through through with three coaches before I found the right coach. So, and then the right coach I have been with for the last, I think I'm starting year nine, because my revenue is so much bigger with her than it is without her. And see, and that's the thing. Once you figure it out, it's, it's an important thing because you got to throw ideas off people. Right. And then right. It, it, that's what a coach does. The coach is going to provide the, the guidance, but ultimately they got to know where you're at and what, where you're stuck. Right. And that's what you do for your, your clients. Exactly. And now that I've, now that I've kind of figured that out with her help and I can close the sale, it's so much easier now, but here's the other pieces. There's a lot more that comes with a coach than just a coach. If you're in the right program or with the right people, because I just, not only did I get the answers I needed with my coach, I also found my community 
right? And Neil, you're a small business owner. You know that um, when you when you leave the four walls of your compound there that and go outside of that, it's a different it's a different animal. There the there's people out there who don't have a business, Neil. Can you believe it? They yeah, do they have a business. And for me, and I don't know about you, but I find it really hard to, um, I find it really hard to interact with them because I don't know what to say because they're perfectly happy to go to their job. And which is great because listen, I'm married to a guy like that. So I love the fact that he loves going to his job and coming home and, and he's good, right? And he's been able to, support me in all of those times where I didn't have a job to go to and I was just trying to figure out how to make money. So, uh, but I, I find it really difficult to uh, interact with people who have W-2s, that they're W-2 people. I find that really difficult. And now my community is that they're small business owners like myself who are using the same coach. We get the same training we get the same, um, oh my gosh, what else do we get the same? Uh, we get the same message all the time, right? There's one really great way to build a business and this is what it is. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that's that's fantastic. And that, that community is such a thing when you can go and you can, people can understand what you mean that we can create whatever we want when we want. That sometimes is a, a hard thing for somebody who is can't create what they want when they want when they go to a job, right? They're only going to get a certain pay raise. They're not going to have this growth phase and they're not going to have this motivation that each day begins anew. And as an entrepreneur, business owner, small business owner. Right. So you got to have that. And so I see a coaching program, first of all, has to have a great coach. Second mm -hmm. of all, it has to provide a community. And now we see another thing that people do, why they go to Tony Robbins for business, why they go to Grant Cardone for business, why they go to different people in their industries, because they want to interact with community. They want a, a rock star, right? Somebody that's far advanced to where we are, but also we want a community of people doing the same thing, going the same route. Yeah, but you know what you said was really interesting that they want to find a coach in their in their industry. That which for me is I don't coach anybody in in an in industry, right? I have clients that have a very big diverse skill set from horse farming to beekeeping to an attorney to I mean just uh, just a oh my gosh, it's so a litany of people that I work with and I don't teach them anything about their industry. What I teach them about is three things. I teach them about sales. I teach them mostly about marketing because that's how I turned around to bankrupt businesses and is really through a creative marketing. And then the other piece I teach them about is business. There's a lot of business people out there who know nothing about business. Nothing at all. Oh my gosh. Nothing about business, right? And they're they've got they know what they're doing as far as their skill set, but they don't know anything really about business. And that's the part that I that's so funny because they come to me and they are like, Well, how you know, I have horses, you don't have horses. Like, okay, does it count that I got a pony for my seventh birthday? Right? Does that count that at one point I did have horses? But I'm not even gonna teach you about horses right? I'm going to teach you how to turn your business around and increase your revenue fast because that's what I've done in my business. And 
And when I can, and what I've learned about business, right? It's, it's so much more than sales and marketing. There's other stuff out there besides sales and marketing, Neil. Everybody needs to know it. And, and that's where that business coach brings the, the table. So let's talk about getting the right thing out of it. A lot of times we hire a coach, yet we don't know how we need to participate. The coach will teach you in certain aspects, but it's up to us. What do you think has helped you with your coach that you always have been utilizing uh, her strategies to have success. What do you think you do that you want to, that you also want your clients to, to utilize you with? It's, it's so interesting because my coach has accused, has, has accused me of not coming to her for certain things, right? Because I think I know it. And for the most part, I do know what I'm doing, right? And I've never, I've never gone, I've never gone to her with, uh, with all of the problems I have, a lot of those I can solve myself, right? So when I do come up against something, it's pretty big. It's pretty, uh, I, I, you know, in business, businesses will contract, uh, will expand and it's very normal. There's a flow of business. Your business will, con- will expand and then it will contract. And then again, it will expand and it will contract. And honestly, this year, um, my business has been expanding and expanding for the last two years. So, and between the business, this year, the business had to contract, right? It was dealing with personal stuff. It was dealing with business stuff. It was now to the point where I need to go through another growth mode, but I can't go through another growth mode till I kind of pull all the way back in, reevaluate where I'm at, what needs to change so that I can start to expand again. So that's, that was the one piece from her that I really took. Um, seriously is the fact that, okay, I can see that I'm in it. I, or I could see that I was in a contraction at the beginning of this year. Right. And I didn't know how to handle it. And then I let all of that kind of pile on top with everything that was going on in my personal life. And that can, that is the one thing that will put people out of business, Neil, if you don't have somebody there to help you get through that so that you can come back to, and now we're starting to expand again. Right. And that's huge because yeah. you need to have those conversations. You and I have had conversations about other conversations with other clients or coaches, and they've been very, very monumental to my growth and to want, go and do the work. So let's right. talk about going and doing the work. Once you get that advice, right, you get that suggestion. How do you make sure that you're out there doing it? What do you well, do? Mental notes or do you set a, a call, an action plan together? What do you do? Yeah, it's a lot of all of that, but I also stay in in touch with her every, you know, I'm in touch with her almost daily, Um, not because, uh, because she gives us an opportunity to, right? So um, if I need it, if I need to be there daily. So yes, you do need to, there is an action plan and it is, there is a strategy behind it, but it's, I couldn't tell you what the strategy is because that's my strategy. That wouldn't be your strategy or somebody else's strategy, right? So, but you do need, you ask me the question, say the question one more time. The question, so no, I think you're, you're on the right track is what, how do you create to make sure that whatever advice you get from your mentor, you're out there and you end up doing it? Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, she charges me a shit ton of money, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's number one right there. That is a motivating factor because I make 
probably for every dollar I give her, I get $10 back, right? So I want to make sure that I am at least $10 back. So I want to make sure that I'm doing the work because if I didn't, then I am just wasting a boatload of cash, right? So that's one reason. The other reason is, is I am really, really driven and I have always been ambitious and driven for my entire life. So I don't know how not to do that. I don't know how not to figure it out. I don't know how to not to do the work. So, but I do have people, I mean, I've had clients who have come to me to work with me and then they don't show up. They don't do the work, right? I, there's, how do you handle that? Well, listen, first I'll reach out. I'm like, what the hell? You paid a lot of money to be here, right? So where, where are you? Why aren't you doing the work? And then most of it is mindset stuff for people. They, they really struggle with the mindset and getting around um, all of that needs to be done and they don't know how to do it. And then they don't know how to ask for help. So sometimes I am part strategist, part coach and part life coach, right? Because sometimes I've got to get my, and the one thing I do though with my clients is the first 30 days I work with them, I put them through my mindset program. Right. And if I to make sure that they're going to do if they can do that, they can do the work because the work is so much easier than the work that we have to do as business owners is so much easier than the work that we need to do on ourselves in order to do the work that we need to do in our businesses. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's so, so true. And the problem is we sometimes are working in our business instead of on our business. And we have to work on our business because if we're working always in the business. We never get to grow. Exactly. Just we're constantly putting out, but I'm glad you reach out to them and and they have to see your model and what you do. And now with putting all these videos out that you're out there in multiple different ways and on social media, people could see you're you're walking the talk and walking the walk and talking the walk, whatever that's called. And it's the important part of it. Uh, I think that at the end of the day, evaluating your coach, you want to evaluate what have you learned this year? How, what have I gained this year and where am I going? And if I'm going a good direction, continue to pay a coach. A lot of times people say, I can't pay marketing. I can't invest in this. I can't invest in that. Well, how has that made your life easier compared to where you were before? And a lot of people don't evaluate these things. They just look at looking at when they spend it. Hold on. I think it's really interesting. Hold on a second, because you said something really interesting. You said you have to evaluate your coach. Uh, it's not your coach that's doing the work, right? You have to evaluate you. So that's a piece there. And I think a lot of people think that way, Neil, that they need to evaluate their coach. Did they do a good job for me? Hell no. Did you do a good job for you? Did you take the advice that you were given? Did you show up for every call? Did you show up for the training? Did you do what your coach told you to do or your strategist or whoever mentor told you to do? You're, you're, This is the problem that so many people make. They want to evaluate somebody else and figure out if their results is because of that person. And the person they're not evaluating is themselves because they know damn well they didn't do the work. All right. So the way to be able to go out and do the work right now and hire Gene today is go to GeneCoon.com. Big event Chicago coming up very, very soon. Tickets are going fast. Go to GeneCoon.com and sign up today, right? Well, yeah, but I want, can I say one more thing? Right? Uh, yeah, I'm not, here's the thing. I'm not looking to take on people 
without them checking me out first, without having a conversation. So I would say rather than hire genekuhn.com, find out who genekuhn.com is or find out who Gene Kuhn is and have a conversation because I want to have a conversation with you or you or you before I decide I want to work with you either. Right. So it's not about going out and hiring the right coach. It's a, a coach. It's about hiring the person that you, I don't want to pull you through uh, 12 months figuring out how to turn around your business. I want people who are happy participants that are like, teach me, teach me, show me everything you know. And I'll show up and I will do the work because if I ever had somebody saying, well, I've evaluated your work and you seem to be a little light in the strategy part I uh, or the, in, the, in the results piece, I've evaluated your work and you seem to be a little iffy in the results piece for me. Uh, do you know what I would say? Yeah. Would you yeah. Say? Yeah, exactly. You do know what I would say to them, right? Yeah. And it wouldn't, it, it would probably not fit for airtime here. No, it wouldn't. Well, yeah. okay. So what I was saying about your big event coming up. Yeah. Uh, the events, what dates? It's going to be October 25th to the 27th. It is called the Second Act Event. I'm sorry. It's called the Second Act Conference. The website is secondactevent.com. But it's really geared toward that woman who's over 50 and where she's at in her life right now and what she wants out of life in the second half or the second act of her life. And she's in her second act in business. She's in her second act of life. And that is a woman that every single person should want to know. All right, Jean, we appreciate it. Great stuff again. Thanks, Neil. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Climate Change, the real story podcast with our host, Dr. Robert Marks. Dr. Marks, how are you? Thanks for stopping by. Uh, I am good. Uh, just coming back from a little uh, trip to Africa, uh, visiting some of the animals out there. All right. Well, fantastic. What's our topic today? Topic is uh, President Biden wrong on climate change once again. I'm ready to go. Let's hear it. So to begin with, uh, okay. Uh, or to begin with, uh, let me uh, just... Uh, uh, begin by saying that as a research scientist and surgeon, I get disappointed and disillusioned uh, when someone takes a recent event and misinterprets it only to bring out their false narrative and try to make it sound as if that particular event supports their ill-based ideology. And this relates to climate change and some recent comments that uh, President Biden made after the event of Hurricane Idalia in northern Florida. Uh, after Hurricane Idalia hit northern Florida, uh, he went there to offer support for Floridians and FEMA and even mentioned Governor DeSantis in some positive terms, if one can uh, even believe that. But he went on to talk about Hurricane Idalia as an example of climate change. He went on to uh, attribute the wildfires that affected smoke in New York and, of course, the recent Maui, uh, Hawaii Island um, fires uh, as an absolute proof of climate change. And he even went on to say that if you don't believe in climate change, you need to be listening to what the, the, um, the evidence is in front of you. Well, let's take a look at that evidence, and I'll show you how wrong that he is. First of all, let's talk about Hurricane Idalia. Uh, climate scientists 
say that this is an average hurricane year. It was the 14th named storm. Now, today, NOAA makes um, named storms, whereas in yesteryear, storms only got a name if they were true hurricanes and passed the litmus test for hurricane. So we really have more named storms than we actually have hurricanes because every tropical storm uh, is named and any hurricane or tropical storm that doesn't make landfall is still named uh, like Hurricane Franklin that is seemingly probably not going to hit um, uh, the mainland United States. So I don't think he understood that in 1715, a hurricane hit the Spanish fleet and sunk the famous uh, treasure wreck in the Nueva Senora de Atocha. He didn't, also didn't realize that there were six other hurricanes that hit the uh, coast at that time, and that there were hurricanes throughout the 1700s. Now, 1700s was long before fossil fuels ever became an issue, uh, and there were more hurricanes that actually went further north. Uh, in 1716, 1727, 1761, those were hurricanes that went all the way to New England. Now, the 1700s is kind of important to realize because they were only counting significant storms and they were only counting and named any storm that made landfall. So we're comparing apples to, to oranges, but most of the years, uh, in the 1700s, and I only picked the 1700s for the following um, reason. The 1700s was the middle of what's called the Little Ice Age. Between 1400 and 1850, particularly the 1700s, it was the coldest temperatures recorded on Earth throughout that entire century. So here in the middle of a cold episode in Earth's history, we're having hurricanes just like we're having now. So to attribute Hurricane Idalia as a representative of climate change uh, is a falsehood. Now, if you've listened to any of my podcasts in the past, uh, you know that I have been a uh, person who has stated that climate change is real. The earth temperature is warming slowly and the seas are rising slowly. The key point is it has nothing at all to do with the burning of fossil fuels and CO2. So this creates a big conundrum because here we have put through the Green New Deal all of our efforts into dealing with CO2 when the real problems have become ignored and we're not adapting to a warmer climate. We've ruined our economy based on fossil fuel denials and uh, shifting the economy to other areas that are not producing. And now we're in the middle of a big time inflation because of that. Okay, so let's move on to the wildfires. Okay. Uh, Wildfires in 2003 have occurred in Canada, uh, California, um, and in, of course, now Hawaii. Now, first of all, you wouldn't expect wildfires in Hawaii. It's not the usual place, because the usual places are California, the usual places are Canada, where you have a lot of trees. But guess what? If you look at the history of Hawaii, it has been recorded 12,715 wildfires in the Hawaiian island chain. Now, most of these go back to many years before fossil fuels once again. So, you know, here's a president that doesn't look at history, doesn't look at, um, at data, doesn't seem to have the support staff to give him scientific data, and he ends up embarrassing himself if you are one of the people who really know the truth. So the truth is, Hawaiian islands have had no doubt 
12,715 recorded wildfires in its uh, history since it's become a state. That's a whole lot. Okay, so attributing the wildfires to current global warming is probably not correct. Uh, also, what about the wildfires that uh, occurred in eastern Canada and inundated New York? In fact, New York was shut down for a couple of days due to the smoke from wildfires. Now, this too, he attributed to climate change due to CO2 and burning of fossil fuels. Well, guess what? A, a worse smoke event occurred by the same thing, a wildfire in Canada in the year 1780. Once again, 1780 is in the middle of the Little Ice Age, so the temperatures were much colder than they are today. And that actually was a more severe smoke inundation of the city of New York and is being called, and I quote, the darkest days of New York. So don't be fooled by sort of this, this language gimmerick that we're hearing from our leaders because they just want to support the Green New Deal and all the funding that goes along with it, most of which has been corrupt. Okay, the last thing. I think we've all experienced the fact that this is one of the hottest years we've all experienced. I live in South Florida, and I recognize this is warmer than we had in my memory. Uh, Noah has looked at this and documented that July 2023 is the hottest month ever on their recorded system. And I agree with it. It's all over the country. Uh, we've seen temperatures go to an average of 74 degrees, which is actually a lot if you look at all of the United States. Um, in the month of July, uh, but there's been extremes up to 118 degrees in, in the southwest in particular. So is this a sign of climate change as, uh, uh, as he's talking about? And the answer is yes, it is, but not due to fossil fuels and not, not due to CO2. Because here's probably the thing I want you to take away from this. Since 2005, when Al Gore introduced the CO2 monster, the United States has reduced carbon admission by 13%. So one has to ask the logical question, if we reduce carbon emissions by 13%, why is this a hot summer? You can't attribute it to CO2, so it must be due to something else. There's some sheer logic in this. So we've, we've done all of this. We put solar panels up. We've bought electric cars. We have put windmills out in the ocean to some environmental degradation as well, and it hasn't helped. It hasn't helped. So therefore, we have to look at the fact that global warming is being caused by something else. And I'll repeat myself again. It is We know what it's caused by. It's caused by two things. The so-called Milankovitch cycles, which is a variation in the elliptical shape of the orbit of the Earth around the sun. We are currently in a closer position orbital-wise to the sun than we have been in, in several hundred years. Secondly, the false idea that the sun is a solid emitter of light intensity. It is not. It pulsates. And it's pulsated and caused ups and downs over three to 400 years in Earth's history, from the Roman period, about the time of Christ, to a warm period, followed by a cold period, followed by another warm period. And then finally, the uh, Little Ice Age, as it's called, in the 1700s, and now we are in a warm period. And that's because the sun pulsates. It pulsates with a greater light output 
and then it gets dimmer. And if you think that that's a false physics concept, uh, turn on one of your incandescent lights. Let it go for about a minute or so. And put your hand a, a, about 12 inches away. It might feel warm. But then put your hand two or three inches away, and you will almost burn your hand. So the closeness of the orbit to the sun has a big difference in the heating of this planet. The second thing is take that light bulb, and it might have been a 50-watt or 60-watt light bulb. Take it out, once it cools, mind you, and put in a 100-watt light bulb, and you will notice that the heat radiates further. So it's that simple law of physics that, you know, I'm sorry to say, President Biden maybe never took physics, never understood it, but his advisors should be telling them that. Some of those advisors need to talk to high school physics teachers, college physics teachers, and get some real physics in before he keeps embarrassing himself. I would hope that the listeners, Neil, of, of your program, understand some of this basic physics that I'm talking about, because this is getting critical. As we approach another election, we can't continue on the road that we've gone blaming fossil fuels, crippling our economy, crippling our transportation, where it's not going to do any good. I, I I like electric cars. I think they're nice and clean and they're efficient. They have a problem with range, of course. Uh, I think that the solar panels are a great idea too. But please don't think that they are going to affect global warming. They haven't done so in the last what is it, uh, 18 years since El Gore came out with the CO2 motion. So with that, I'll conclude. Hopefully um, that has some meaning to everybody, and I'll see you next time. All right, that was a great show. That was Climate Change, The Real Story with Dr. Robert Marks. Guys, take care. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO and Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Good evening and welcome to the Women CEO and Reflection podcast. I am your guest host, Rachel Lavin, and I am the author of The Donut Diaries. Today, we have the amazing Debbie Bellinger. And Debbie is a solopreneur of Body by Definition. She has an extensive background in corporate wellness, which she's going to tell us all about tonight. And she has created a masterclass for Fit Pros and Fitness Club titled Fit Pros How to Break into Corporate Wellness. She has also created a wellness academy for fit pros to hear leading experts each week. And Debbie has 23 years of wellness director for two hospitals in both South Carolina and North Carolina. She was the SVP of healthy living for the South Florida YMCA prior to the pandemic. Debbie is not only my mentor and a peer, but she's also a friend. So thank you so much for being here with me tonight. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. So that was just a little snippet of Miss Debbie Bellinger. I want you to tell the listeners, let's start back when you were in corporate wellness. Let's just kind of talk about that a little bit. And then after you kind of explain that, I want you to tell us where you saw the fitness and wellness industry 
and where you see it going. Okay. <laughs> so um, my journey to corporate wellness started in fitness. And like many others, I, you teach group X and then you're the fitness coordinator and the supervisor and the manager and the director and the general manager and all within the space of fitness, fitness club operations, right? So my career took a wonderful twist when as a Canadian girl, I was the first ever hired director of wellness for a hospital system in South Carolina. And my job was way more than the experience that I held, held at the time. But I, I don't know, I just feel like I could do it. <laughs> and so in the, that new role as director of wellness, up until then in my head, I was fitness. That first director of wellness role, my career shifted into wellness. So I saw myself as a fitness instructor, but as a health wellness professional. So you kind of, I kind of morphed in that, that first 12 years in South Carolina. And that was my first experience with corporate wellness programs. Actually, within the role that I was hired to do, I was responsible in partnership with Human Resources to create an employee wellness program for 7,000 employees. And my scope was about this big, but it grew to be so much larger over the years, right, of doing the work because I was being held accountable to improving the health of the employees. So it wasn't just join our gym. We had six aerobic studios and a full-on wellness center. So I needed to offer more than gym memberships. I actually needed to have wellness programs, health programs, biometrics and health screenings. So that effectively I could show the hospital leadership that we were improving the health of the employees. And that just kind of spilled over to the local community. Other employers in the county wanted what we had, this kind of thing. And then that repeated itself in North Carolina. And by then I had a lot of experience with creating and customizing corporate wellness programs and lots of success, which to me, that means we were able to show companies that hired us that we were saving them money by getting their employees healthier. So that was the corporate wellness piece of my world, 23 years of it, the last nine, very much entrenched in it, customizing, basically doing the whole development of a corporate wellness program, right? From a needs assessment, looking at health claims data, looking at an employee satisfaction score, how happy were employees at work, taking that data, and then in partnership with human resources of each company, deciding what health programs and wellness programs we should offer to be able to target the rising healthcare spend. So blood pressure, <clears throat> obesity, diabetes, those kinds of things. So programs were customized for every employer. And that was a really great chapter for me and very fun as a fitness professional to that point, because that's where I found my love of meeting people, individuals where they are on their fitness journey, and particularly learning to meet those who are not yet on a health journey. That changed me forever. So when you're working with employers and employees, a lot of employees will sit back and watch what it is that you're doing. Oh, there's a weight loss challenge. There's a walking program. And for employees that are not on a health journey yet, 
overweight, out of shape, tired, depressed, anything, just all these things, or maybe they've not had a good experience with a health and wellness program or a gym membership or feeling included or something, right? Even back from childhood days, this was an opportunity in these programs to see employees kind of sit back and watch. And then the momentum starts, right? And the excitement starts. And it's like, oh, well, Neil and Rachel are doing it. So I, I need to do this walking program too, because it's the fun thing to do, right? So that for me was corporate wellness within the scope of my career. And the payback was huge because we had so many individuals improve their lives. And yes, we saved the company's money, but it was more the individual stories that kept me motivated day over day. My knee doesn't hurt. My back doesn't hurt anymore. I can play with the, the grandkids. So that was that chapter. And I think looking forward from that lens, the only thing that I could see was that there would be more of that. And right before I left North Carolina to go to South Florida, we had already started before the pandemic, obviously, we had already started with virtual programming. Um, and that was great because what we learned was with Gaston County government or our own employees, we had the main hospital and 44 practices. Well, we wanted all practices that were scattered throughout the county to have equal opportunity to be in a walking program. So we, we started to create virtual offerings because we had such a small team, we could not be all over the county at the same time running the same program, but we could do a lot by Zoom, which is what we did. And we assigned leaders, wellness ambassadors at each primary care practice. So a lot of strategy, a lot of boots on ground, a lot of team building. And honestly, when I left that role, I knew we were onto something magical. And I imagined that that would be just a million times more as people could see outcomes, right? That was what's happened <laughs> and where we are is just a little different, but yeah. Well, let me interject. So I've had the pleasure of taking your eight week online course and I've been involved with your programs for over a year now and I've learned so much. So did you feel like you had something kind of when you had all that experience in both the Carolinas and Florida, that when you did have to pivot to being your own boss, that you had something in the bag already and you just put it out in the world? Or was it more calculated than that? Did you have to really create something from the beginning? No, it, it would be the first part. I knew I had something because be, growing up in the industry and still being a very active thought leader and presenter nationwide at multiple conventions, nobody's doing what we're doing. So the masterclass that we've done together, there are versions thereof, but they're, they're not leaning into the needs assessment and strategy and customization of programming for employers based on the needs of each and every employer. It's not a one size fits all approach. That's what I see out there in the industry. What we're doing is customization, which is very different. So I do see magic in what it is that we're doing. I can honestly say the masterclass just came out of here onto paper with no problem. Like it just dumped. And I knew I was on something because it was so easy to build. Like when you do that kind of build and you're like lesson over lesson, there's no gaps. 
I'm like, hmm, there's something here that we probably can share with others was my thought. Absolutely. And I agree with you hundred percent. I want to know when you started this and you started meeting all of us and kind of realizing how lost we kind of were in this new wellness space. I mean, how did you feel like knowing that you needed to be the one to step up and like get us all together and, and really start putting the message out there of all the things in wellness that were just untouched? 